you have a child who's defiant, disrespectful, foul-mouthed, or lazy? Does your child lie to you and seem to argue with you about virtually everything? Does rebellion just seem to be part of your child's very nature? Would you enjoy a total transformation of your child with the help of an expert who's, well, equipped for empowering parents? Well, then today's broadcast is what you've been waiting for. This is Licensed to Parent. Welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for troubled teens. Our host on the program, as always, is the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosal. And Trace, you know, we talk about this a lot uh, with our listeners about the negative cultural influences in America uh, and, and how they're affecting our kids' attitudes and behaviors. Uh, it, it's sort of a, a long-term toxic condition where bad begets bad, and we're trying to, to overcome some of that. But today, we're going to be addressing some of these issues head-on, regardless of how they got there, aren't we? Yes, we are. And we're going to be talking with someone who's known for directly addressing some of these things once they emerge. So, uh, Rich, so much of this stuff is just so practical and basic, you almost wonder why it has to be taught. But in a postmodern world where the Bible and common sense have been tossed aside for relativism and a compassion and grace that's too often defined with the devil's dictionary, there's actually a deep need for it. Mm. So I'm going to pump the brakes right here so we can get right into the meat of what I think more parents need to hear and then implement uh, in their home sooner than later. Right. Well, uh, our guest today uh, is a man named Kimball Lewis. He's an executive who spent his career using research and technology to improve the lives of individuals and businesses. Now, he began his career as a health, welfare, and child policy researcher for a leading public policy think tank in Washington. But uh, he then served as a technologist and executive in a series of successful healthcare startup businesses before joining EmpoweringParents.com. That's an organization you may have heard of, Empowering Parents. Com. He is their CEO and uh, began in that role in 2017. And at Empowering Parents, uh, Mr. Lewis continues the work of James Lehman and the Total Transformation, an organization providing timeless and practical parenting advice to parents struggling to manage the most challenging child behavior problems. Uh, by the way, Mr. Lewis resides in Florida with his wife, and what qualifies him most to be on this program is he's the parent of two teenage sons. There you go. Well, Kimball, welcome to License to Parent. I think this is long overdue. Thank you for having me. Now, when you talk about uh, the attitudes and behaviors of today's young people, you often hear that we have a crisis of parenting. And there's been plenty of books written on this subject. The first one that comes to mind is Dr. Leonard Sachs' book, The Collapse of Parenting. And you say what? I say that, that and, we, and we counsel this to our parents, that, that the parent is a legitimate authority in the household, and they have the, not just the right, but the responsibility to, to create the rules in the household, reasonable rules, and also to create what we call a culture of accountability within the household. And when that's turned upside down, we always ask the question, well, if, if the parents aren't in charge, then who should be in charge? Should the child be in charge? Should someone else be in charge? And none of those other answers make any sense. And at best in the most natural places that parents have a natural authority in the household. And what we teach them is how to legitimately and effectively 
um, use their their authority to create a, a culture of accountability with the goal to raise not children but to raise adults. That's the whole key. We're raising adults, not children, and, and we want our kids to learn how to solve problems and how to become effective adults. I, I'm curious about this with relation to that, though. Some might argue that too much structure would be constrictive and would keep the child from growing and learning and that sort of thing. Why? Why is it that a a home being a structured place is better for raising a child? Um, it's a, a structure is just that. It's a structure. It can, it can look in many different ways. I mean, the structure that we set up is one of accountability, where where there are rules. Um, and the rules aren't like they're not a hundred rules. There might be 20, there might be ten rules or, or so. But when you break them and when you set limits, um, there there are consequences to those. And we help teach our kids how to how to meet those limits. And the, the truth is, when you leave the family and you get into the real world, there are structures and rules everywhere, and we have to learn how to deal with those things. There's no such thing as an employer that doesn't have structures and rules. Or a society that we live in doesn't have structures and rules, right. and it's the same way within the family. We're we're training, we're training our kids to to deal with those in a sort of healthy and a, an effective way. And you know, we expect kids to push limits. That's natural, but but we set the boundaries, and when they exceed those boundaries, you know, these you know consequences kick in. And the consequences mm-hmm. are not meant to punish the child; is to show them that there are consequences when you do things, and here they are. Yeah, great answer. Well, the the world's Rapidly changing, there's no doubt about that. How should reasonable rules be determined in the home? Well, we, we tell parents that it's up to them to create the culture within the household that, as they see fit, and they shouldn't be looking to the outside culture for that necessarily. I mean, there, there, there will be influence. It's really hard not to have the influence, but, but you do have a choice. And that's the name of our organization is Empowering Parents. We, we want parents to be empowered to set this up and not to be just victims of society. Otherwise, you don't end up in a place that you want to be. And we, we teach our kids the same thing. You don't, you don't need to, you don't have to be a victim. You don't have to do what everyone else is doing. And that's usually not a good way to go anyway. So we want to empower parents and say that you do have a choice in this matter. Yeah. Well, I guess where I'm going with this is different cultures have different standards for raising kids. Uh, and even our standards here in America in recent decades have changed drastically. Is there an absolute point of reference that your organization uh, uses to determine what wise and effective rules should be enforced in the home? So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn around a little bit and say that parents come to us because they have a problem. They don't come to us because things are going great. Right. And the kids are following and are following the rules that, um, like their kids are living their lives in chaos. They're not, they're committing crimes or they're not getting good grades or whatever. When parents come to us, they're experiencing a problem. And they see it as a problem because they know it's, they, somehow they know inside that it's not right that my son's not going to school. It's not right that my son is swearing at me. So, so they, they know, they don't have to be told that something's wrong. They know there's something wrong, that this is not right, and that's why they come to us. If everything was fine, they wouldn't be coming to us. So you're saying um, it's self-evident. It should be, self, it should be self-evident, which... No, it I, I is self-evident. That. Yes, abs- it is absolutely self-evident. It's not defined by anyone else. You know when you're having a problem with your child. And, and then uh, being self-evident, it, it's not always self-evident to the kid, especially in today's postmodern relativistic world. 
uh, how does a parent respond when Junior says, well, that's just your opinion, Mom. That's just your opinion, Dad. Um, we... We would instruct parents to say in this, just to explain to them, in this household we have rules, and these are what the rules are, and you're accountable for those rules. And if you don't like those rules, we can have a discussion later on about it, and you can go over them. But it's my role as the parent to set the rules in the household, and here's what they are. Um, and it's okay. We, we want kids to have the discussion if they don't agree with the rule. But more often than not, and this is something that James Lehman said, and one of the first things that I remember him saying when I became exposed to his materials, he said, you don't have to attend every argument that you're invited to. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is kids will argue about the rules and everything. They're usually not arguing about the rule itself. They're arguing because they don't want to be held responsible for a particular rule or an action. And it's up to parents to to make sure that they, they do hold them accountable and moreover, we're happy and we tell parents it's worthwhile discussing rules, but not at the moment that they're supposed to be complying to something like doing their homework or putting their electronics down. And we'll say to them, look, we'll have a discussion tomorrow at 5.30. We can sit down for half an hour. We can have a grape session. That's perfectly fine. The kids usually aren't interested in that. What they're interested in is getting out of a particular responsibility. So we often tell parents that you don't have to attend those arguments when your kid is constantly arguing about the rules. You can, you can disconnect, and that's not to ignore the fact that they might have a legitimate grievance, and you should sit down at a scheduled time and talk about it. But more often than not, when parents are coming to us, um, there's a situation, for example, where there's just constant arguing, and the arguing in and of itself is the child's approach to solving their problem, and their problem is that, that they don't want to follow a particular rule. They don't want to be held responsible for something. Uh, can parents set unreasonable rules? Um, you know, you're 16 years old and you got to be in bed at six o'clock every afternoon because I want my evenings free to, you know, to smoke dope or whatever. And that's pretty unreasonable, I would say. And, and you, you, you would have to, you know, basically, I would anyway, I, I assume you would too, is uh, say, uh, Mr. So-and-so, that that seems to be an unreasonable rule that I don't know how you can expect your son to uh, agree to adhere to that. Yeah, you know, that it doesn't that comes up like rarely because usually parents that are coming to us they they care a lot about their kids and most of the rules are fairly reasonable and it's it's the situation is that, that the kids are not complying with reasonable rules. Gotcha. Um kids not complying with unreasonable rules is just not something we really it doesn't really happen all that often. Mm-hmm. And then more often than not we we actually take a little this is a slightly different approach is that we we're seeing more and more parents who have kids between the ages of like 18 and 25 living with them at home. Oh yeah. And if anything, we counsel parents that when your child is 22 or 23, they kind of need to be treated more as an adult and not as a child anymore. And that might actually be the problem. In other words, if they're in your household, you have household rules, but in general, you're dealing with another adult, not a child anymore. Right. You know, generally, you know, we, we don't we don't work with parents that have kids at home that are over age twenty five. You have to draw the line somewhere. Um, sure. <laughs> and then and then eighteen to twenty five is a very and that's and that's pushing the limit a little bit in my opinion. But eighteen to twenty five is a is we handle differently than under eighteen. Under eighteen, they're they're legal dependents. There you go. You used to use the key word dependent. And as far as I'm concerned, if you're a dependent upon me to, to you know, for your toilet paper, your roof over your head and toothbrush and all that stuff, then you know what? If, if, if you have the, the responsibility acumen of, of a kid, then I don't think chronological age has a lot to do with it. 
Uh, no. You know, your, your frontal lobe isn't fully developed until it's 25. I get that. But uh, you're, you're still going to have to exercise. Um, but, uh, but that frontal lobe will develop better if you hold your child accountable to like reasonable and expectations, it, you know. But, it yeah. will. It will. There's evidence that the frontal lobe was fully developed as, as early as 21 yeah. years old in 1980. And, and at the turn of the last century, possibly as as young as 15 years old, depending who you talk to. They don't, they don't really know for sure back then. But, you know, the, the phenomenon of uh, adolescence is really only, you know, a little over half a century old. Uh, yeah. Well, 60, 70 years. Uh, they, they, no one talked about teenagers or adolescents. You know, when you turn 13, you're an adult. And uh, at least you got treated one like one. You expected to do things that an adult did. I've brought that up in other discussions too, which is that I, th- I think we tend to infantilize our kids. Absolutely. So like I think in t- I think Alaska. I may have this wrong, but I think in Alaska the driving age is like 13 because kids are expected to do work or whatever. I, and I mentioned mm-hmm. before we started recording, I'd mentioned that um, that we traveled to Maine with a with a boat each summer. And in yeah. a lot of places like Florida and Maine, also uh, the age to drive a boat is 12. Doesn't matter the horsepower or anything. At age twelve, you can drive a boat. My my kids, when they were age twelve, were out driving boats on their own. I made them do it. Um, they were actually probably far more capable than a lot of you know a lot of parents <laughs> realize that they are, as long as they're held accountable for when they when they you know aren't doing things right. So right. No, I think it was you. You just mentioned a very key word. Is you made them do it. And there's things that here at Shepherd's Hill we make the kids do. If you don't do it, yeah, then, then here are the things I used to that... I tell my kids that I, I make them do stuff that other parents won't allow them to do. Yeah, because you're intentional. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're intentional, you're, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, you know, I, 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 I used to drive race cars, and I've got a 40-year-old race car trailer uh, that came off, a, looked like it came off a showroom floor from a, from a factory when it was built. But it was built by, you know, 14, 15-year-old kids, and they were my brothers. And my dad said, here's the, the materials, here's the tools, here's the plans. Uh, I'm not interested in seeing you alive until it's finished. And it, it it's still here, you know, and... Uh, these kids can do a lot more, but nothing's required of kids today. Why is yeah. that? I, I there's a long list of reasons why that why that might be. <laughs> um, a lot of it's culturally based. There's helicopter parenting. A lot of this has been documented. It's not everyone though. I mean, it's in the media. No, stuff, sure, but, of course. But in uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of families are giving their kids um, you know room to do a lot of things but we've made it hard like you can actually you know part of the reason we go up to age 25 with our programs is age age 25 has now been a cutoff for like you can have your child on health insurance yeah up right. to age 25 and things like that like that's like that's getting too old like it's, it's insane you know what i mean like, me. like, like if you want your kids to grow up you should they need to be treated like adults at some point one, exactly. one thing that we have found in our household is uh and we've got five kids the youngest is still at home she's 17 but um, we do still enforce the house rules, and quite frankly, the older they get, the less comfortable they are with them. Yeah. You know, because, it, and, and we've gotten the, you're treating me like a child. Well, we, we truly don't treat them like a child, but I've used the argument that Trace just mentioned, that, you know, being an adult means that you are taking on and assuming the roles and responsibilities of being an adult. And... Um, Sometimes those conversations and the pressure and the yes, we do have house rules and yes, you're required to follow them. And that means, you know, you don't stay out all night and come in whenever you want to, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. kind of makes them want to find a new place to live. And that's not, <laughs> that's not a bad thing. You <laughs> know, it's like, thing, right? it's like they, they realize, okay, I'm, if I'm still living under mom and dad's roof, 
that's not where I want to stay. Yeah. And and I think it's given them the impetus to try to get out on their own, you know, reasonably well. I think we yeah. still have a reasonable relationship yeah. with our kids, but that's good. We 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 have a um a way for parents to think about that when your child's, you know, over 18 and they're still living at home. We say stop thinking of them as your child and start thinking of them as a guest in your household and have the same expectations of them that you would have as a guest, someone who's who's staying in your household is allowed to stay in your household, but but they're a guest and they have you know they need to like clean up after themselves, they need to do things. Otherwise, you can ask your guests to leave because they're not good guests. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how we we mm. ask parents to think about it. Is there any validity to the fact that parents uh, tolerate or enjoy or need maybe uh, their kids to stay in the home till they're twenty five, thirty years old because maybe. There were there were some attachment, some guilt issues going on uh, when mom and dad both worked themselves into imbecility, uh, didn't get the time uh, spent they thought they needed, and just needed that extra, uh, you know, two, three, four, five, ten years uh, to you know, extend that childhood uh, to satisfy the need in the parent. Is there any validity to that? Uh, yeah, that happens. That happens a lot. And particularly, I mean, we have parents that come to us that have kids that are 30 that are living with them. We actually don't work with those parents. We tell them that they need to see, yeah. find someone else. Cause we're, we're, that's not our thing. We're dealing with parents, mostly with dependent kids. And, um, if you're having an issue with your 30 year old child, you're better off seeing a a therapist rather than a parenting um, or a lawyer expert <laughs> or a lawyer or something. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different issue, but we also tell parents, you know, like a lot of parents feel guilty about various things. This happens in divorce situations as well. We tell parents you shouldn't like forego consequences or accountability or rules because you're feeling guilty and don't, don't take responsibility for your child's behavior. And because you're actually not, you're not responsible for your child's behavior. Your child is. Right. Um, there may be other factors going on, but it's just a, it's a very useful construct to say that your response that your child's responsible for their behavior, and and you don't mm. want to take it personally, even if even when they say personal things to you, it's a behavior. We say it's a behavior problem, and you want you just want to keep holding your child accountable for it, and that gives them the best chance to learn how to um, resolve these problems moving forward. Yeah. If, if, you, if you take responsibility for it and your child knows you're taking responsibility for it, that, that sets up a whole host of unhealthy ways of viewing the world, and, and it's hard to come out of that situation. So, yeah. Yeah. If you're just joining us, our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Kimball Lewis. He's the CEO of EmpoweringParents.com. And Kimball, as you said, we have to treat our, our children once they're above a certain age as guests in our home. We're going to treat you as a guest. So we're asking Kimball to sweep up the studio while we take this break. Uh, you know, you got to got to clean up after yourself. Anyway, we'll be back with more conversation on Licensed to Parent. A quick reminder that if you've missed a part of this program or if you'd like to hear it again or any of our past programs, you'll find them all on our website at LicensedToParent.org. We'll be right back. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. 
The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall to be completed by the end of the year, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherd's Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. Shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. That's shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicensedToParent.org slash wisephone. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis and, by extension, working with their parents as well. And our guest on today's program is Kimball Lewis. He's the CEO of EmpoweringParents.com. And we're getting some great information about, well, ways that we as parents can be more direct with our kids, how we can... uh, nudge them in the right directions in the right ways. And uh, we're glad to have Kimball with us. By the way, he will be with us on next week's program as well because we had too many questions to squeeze into one program. Trace? Well, Kimball, why do so many parents today not like their own kids? Well, I'm glad you asked that because we have, that's one of our most popular articles is, I don't like my child. But what, what we counsel parents is to be very cautious about saying, I don't like my child. What you don't like is their behavior. Right. And that's another reason why focusing on making sure that um, you, you want reasonable behavior from your child within the home and, and, and you should strive for that. And if you don't, there's, there's a danger that you're not going to like your child if they don't behave well or if they're disrespectful. So that's a real fear. It's one of the reasons why, you know, it's, it's very important for parents to have a culture of accountability and to require reasonable behavior in your home. Otherwise, you're going to stop liking your child. Yeah. But, but we tell them, if you feel like you're not liking your child, you have to remind yourself it's your child's behavior that you don't like. Right. I think it's a really good point. Uh, do we as parents have an obligation to our society to raise kids that other people like or can at least tolerate? I well, that's a good question. I I I think that we have a responsibility to raise responsible, self-sufficient kids who don't abuse. This is this is a key key thing on what we do here is that we want our kids' behavior to be such that they're not they're not abusing and hurting other people to get what they need or want in the world. Mm-hmm. It's a very important thing, and and. We see it a lot in the home. What the, a lot of the reason kids act out is because they have a need that's not met somehow, 
Mm-hmm. And the way they meet those needs is somehow hurting or abusing someone else. And that's, that's just not right. It's not right within the home. And it's not right if they then move out into the, into the greater world. Um, and they have to be self-sufficient. Yeah. Do you think too many parents these days uh, maybe see their kids as their own personal little trophies or perhaps the ultimate pet for their own exaltation rather than, like as you said, future adults that can actually contribute good things to the world where other people can like them and appreciate them? Your thoughts on that? Um, there's definitely a fair amount of that going on. Um, how, how, how does a parent get past that? I, I would, <laughs> you have to ask yourself, how are things going in your household? Um, are you happy with it? <laughs> yeah. It's but usually, you know, it, parents in that situation, things usually aren't going well. Maybe they're not admitting it to themselves, or maybe they're not realizing that things aren't going well because they've lost their grounding mm-hmm. and it manifests itself. You know, you know what, when you, when you asked that question, it made me think of, of being at sporting events where some parents are just so over the top about their child's oh, athletic yeah. prowess in one way yeah. or another. Yep. Those parents are not in a good place. No, they're not. And somehow mm-hmm. they think if their child achieves even more, somehow they'll be in a better place, and, and they're, they're mistaken. They're not going to end up in a better place. Well, I think they're actually using their children as an extension of the, their perceived failures of their own childhood, perhaps. I, would, I don't I would, know. I would agree, and I think what they maybe don't realize is that when other parents see what they're doing, other, other what I would say well-adjusted parents, that they don't look kindly upon those people. That's Somehow exactly I think right. they, they, they feel like they're going to gain some kind of status if, mm-hmm. if their child's the best at something, and it's not. I, I don't think yeah. it's true in the long run. No, it's boomeranging on them, I think. Uh, you know, I, I know when, I, when kids are enrolled at Shepherd's Hill, I was so often witness a distraught parent in tears crying, I just want my child happy. How do you respond to that parent? <laughs> That well, this this gets a little bit into the um, we talked about this a little bit like the esteem stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that your child may not be happy, they may not be feeling good. And James Lehman had this fantastic quote that is that that's one of the reasons why I love him so much. But he is that he's articulated things that you just know is true. And he mm-hmm. said, "You can't feel your way to better behavior, but you can behave your way to better feelings." Mm-hmm. And what he means is that kids who, who don't feel good often don't behave well. And there's this whole thing about, you know, they have low self-esteem. That's why they don't behave well. Yeah. But James Lehman in, in his practice never, never saw the instance where a kid was behaving terribly, learned to feel better about himself, then suddenly behaved better. He goes, that almost never happens. You don't see that. Yep. But what does happen is a child who doesn't feel good about himself learns how to behave. Yeah learns how to do things right, and then they start feeling better about themselves. Yeah, I want to come back to that in our next broadcast, but I can tell you what you just said. You can't feel uh, yourself to better behavior, but you can behave yourself into better feelings. That's the paradigm of Shepherd's Hill, and it's not the paradigm commonly uh, put forth in today's modern mental health circles. They would approach that virtually, you know, 180 degrees uh, the other way. And uh, but I see it. And I don't think out. I don't think the success. I think when you look at it the other way, the success rate is probably not very high. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. You know, we we look at it like you know, there's a speed limit. It's 70. It doesn't say 70 as long as you're feeling good about yourself. Otherwise, there's no speed limit. Right. It's 70. You know, the speed limit's 70. You we're gonna have ups and downs in life. So what the the goal is appropriate behavior, no matter how you're feeling about yourself. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Kimball Lewis. 
CEO of EmpoweringParents.com. I would urge you to go and check out their website and some of the many articles and other resources available. And Kimball will be back with us again on our next program. That is it for this edition of Licensed to Parent. Remember, if you missed a part of today's program or would like to hear it or any of our past programs again, you can do so on our website at LicensedToParent.org. And while you're there, would you consider making a gift to Licensed to Parent to help the work we do here on the radio program and also at Shepherd's Hill Academy? You can learn more and donate securely by clicking the Donate tab at the top of the page at LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you back again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.